Going into this, I, I knew the challenge of this because I'd, I'd, I'd had the ability at school. I was, I, I was a, a first class student at school, but I'd never followed on from that. And I'd had the ability to go to university and get a degree that had never been a, 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 in question. The problem was, I, it was, it was impossible. It was impossible. By this point, we had a young family and we'll, I, I'm looking into it and I'm looking at a four year, five years, in fact, of study. Well, how do you do that when you've got a young family? How do you, how do you go, just give up work and study? Vicky was, really felt it was right for her to stay at home and look after our children, although we only had one at the time. And, and I reluctantly supported her in that. Although I'm so glad I did, I must say. But at the time, I'll be honest, I was reluctant. I didn't think it was the right thing, but I was so wrong. And so we just, we knew we had to step out in this. And it, but it, I can't, I'm maybe not getting across the gravity of how impossible this task was. It wasn't down to ability. I had the ability to do it and to do the study and all of that stuff. It was the whole, or everything else that went with it. Apart from my own kind of fears that I wouldn't stick it out and I'd get a kind of year or two into it and I'd get bored or kind of give up or want to go and do something else. But we did. We went into it and we did it. And I came out and I actually, I got a first class honours degree. I finished top of my year at university, at a top university. And, and we, we did amazing. We ended up being, how I ended up being headhunted by colleges, different colleges and going and working there and teaching. I had a really successful teaching career. In the middle of that, I went and, and, and I got involved in a Insurance, working for a chartered accountancy firm as well. There was a few different firms head on to me for that. And I'm saying all of this, what's the point of this? What's the relevance of, relevance of this? The relevance of this is two things. Number one, I look back on it now and I realise just how impossible this task was that God was calling me to. Impossible. There was, it, we just couldn't have done it on our own. We needed help and we needed support. The second one was that after doing that and getting through it and coming out the other side, we literally knew we could do anything. Yeah. On the back of that, we knew we could do anything. We literally knew we could do anything. And what's the relevance of this to, to you, to the church here this morning? It is this. A simple ABC of how God has dealt with me and he, he deals with so many people. The first one is he gets your attention. If you've got pens and paper, write this down. This is gold. The very first thing God will do when he wants to do something incredible in your life is he will get your attention. He'll find a way to get your attention. He'll find a way. And, and listen, God can do it so many different ways. It can be through a crisis. It can be through some victory that you've encountered. It could be through a change in circumstance. It could be through almost anything. But he will find a way to get your attention. It happened to me literally again this week. And it happens regularly. If you're a Christian in here, you'll know what I'm on about. God is, is regularly getting our attention, shaking us finding ways to wake us up, to, to get our attention, to get us listening to him, to get us focused on him. And, and I don't know about your experience. My experience is that quite often I'm kind of almost distracted at the time when he's trying to get my attention. I'm kind of busy, wrapped up in something else. I'm maybe not even thinking about God, but he'll find a way of getting my attention. And you kind of sheepishly, you're like, oh my goodness. And then you just feel the grace, don't you? Anyone know what I'm on about? 
you just feel so kind of, wow, God, I, can't, I didn't deserve that. Uh, there was no reason why you should have got my attention. I wasn't even looking for you. I wasn't even looking out for you in this situation. But you just, you, you reached down, you shook my world and you literally got my attention. The second one is the B. So A is he will get your attention. B is you step out. B is you step out. He will get your attention. He will go out of, his, out of his way to get your attention. And if you're not listening, he'll go even further to get your attention. So a little hint here, it's good to listen the first time. Because if you've got to make God wait, I mean, he's God, isn't he? He's God. Come on, think about this. We're not about God, the guy who created the heavens and the earth. He holds your very life in his hands. And if he can't get your attention, but he knows he's got to, for you to fulfill your plans and your purposes, the very reason why you're on this earth, and he's desperately doing everything he can to get your attention, and you won't listen, then he's maybe got to go to the next level to get your attention. Then maybe even the next level, I would suggest don't let him get to those levels. Because those levels can, sometimes they can be awkward. They can be difficult. They can be painful. It's much more pleasurable when he gets your attention down here at the first point of call. So A, God will go out of his way to get your attention. B, you step out. You kind of listen, you acknowledge him and you step out. I'm talking about faith here. If you're a Christian in this place, I'm talking about faith. And C... C is this, and this is what I love about it, because it's like a sandwich. And we're in the middle, and God's on either side. What a great analogy, eh? A sandwich. And C is this, he will then support you in whatever way he needs to, to ensure that you are able to do the thing that he's calling you to do. Whether that's a miracle, whether that's support in another, I don't know, I mean, it's all miracles, isn't it, when it comes from God. But he will support you. He will encourage you through his word, but he will go out of his way. He will perform miracles. When we went through that situation, I mean, we're on about a kind of five-year part of our life. That was a massive chapter in our life. The miracles, I could literally, I mean, we've talked about them in, in various different points over the years the amount of miracles that God performed it was absolutely incredible literally things that you could only say were miracles miracles of finance miracles of support miracles of opportunity literally just phone calls out the blue offering jobs and different things like that it was just incredible absolutely incredible but it taught us that we can do anything if we could do that, we could do anything. Now, does that mean we, don't, uh, we never doubt? Does that mean we're suddenly just kind of arrogant and we're like, hey, we can do anything? No, of course it doesn't. We doubt, we fear, we worry, we get anxious at times. But do you know when we do? We go back. We go back to the things that God's done. We go back to the miracles he's performed. We go back to the situations when he spoke to us, and then when he's got our attention, and then when we've stepped out, and then when he supported us, and we go, hey, you know what? He's going to do it again. Because you know what I've learned over the years, right? You've got two options. I better put my fingers that way around for two, hadn't I? We've got two options of how you respond to, to a situation, a crisis, something you've got to do, and that's this. You either respond in faith or you respond in fear. Here's the thing, plenty of times I've responded in fear. Anyone else? Yeah. 
Anyone responded in fear over a situation you're going through and you know you've got to get through it? Guess what? In, in all the times I've responded in fear, it's never helped me once. Anyone ever been held by fear? No. That's the thing, isn't it? It doesn't actually help. Fear doesn't help. I'm yet to find a way when I've responded in fear to a situation that has helped me in any way, shape or form. Doesn't matter whether the thing I feared happened or whether it didn't happen. Either way, it's never helped me being in fear. But guess what? Being in faith, being in faith every single day time you rise to the challenge you lift up your shoulders go up your head goes up suddenly you feel this inner strength this ability this 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 equipping all over you that you know that you can do it you know you can get through it anyone else come on anyone else come on guys faith always helps us it creates energy and you know what listen I've not got many scriptures for you this morning and I've been referring to the Bible a lot Hebrews eleven six. can we throw that one up Tracy I didn't give you an order for the scriptures so forgive me if it's a second coming up it's probably a good thing the first part of it really is the most important bit it says this it is impossible to please God without faith impossible impossible this message this morning is impossible. That's what this message is this morning. It is impossible. It's impossible. One of the first times impossibles mentioned in the Bible was with Abraham. It was impossible what God did through Abraham. Literally impossible. Twice God told Abraham what he was going to do. And twice it's referred to as being impossible. Impossible what God was going to do through Abraham. His, 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 his descendants would be as numerous as the stars, as numerous as the dust, as the sand. Impossible. They didn't even have children. His wife was beyond the age of children. In fact, it was so going to happen, even though it was impossible, that one of the other times that impossible is mentioned, does anyone know? With Hagar. The woman who he got pregnant because he thought, I can't get Sarah pregnant who's my wife because she's beyond the age of having children. So I'll take my slave or her slave or whichever one she was, probably both the slaves. I'll get her pregnant instead and then that will be the way that it will work. And at the moment when Hagar is sent away, because it was a disaster. It was a disaster, obviously. And at that moment, Hagar's like, with Ishmael, a son, orphaned, if you like. And she's like, this is impossible. And God gives her a promise too. Incredible, really. The power of that promise that God gave. That actually, it didn't matter who he got pregnant. That's probably not the right phrase to use, but you know where I'm going with it. You know what I mean with it, don't you? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So let me encourage you this morning. Anyone want to get something from this word? Anyone want to go out of this place greater than when you came in? Anyone want to go out of this place strong, powerful, mighty, equipped to face whatever it is you're going through? Anyone? Anyone?
Anyone, come on, anyone. Then listen, I'm not trying to whip something up. Well, actually, I am trying to whip something up here. Up here. I'm trying to whip up your faith. Get in faith. Respond. Say something. Speak out. Say amen. Get up on your feet. Whoop, cheer like Tony did at the beginning when I got up. Do it. Because you know what? Your option is sit there like that in fear. Yeah, okay, God, go on then. You show me what you're going to tell me this morning. And guess what God's saying? Okay, then I won't, won't even bother. Don't bother because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, any, and it goes on to say, and anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So I would suggest by you being in faith this morning, in your posture, in your vocal cords, in your kind of head and how you're writing things down and stuff like that, I would suggest that that is faith. Anyone reckon that's anyone with me there? Yeah, so yeah, I am trying to whip something up. Let's whip it up this morning. Anyone up for that? Come on, let's whip it up. So how do we get faith? How do we get faith? Well, it's simple. I've already said it. Number one, God will get your attention. He will get your attention. It always starts with him. Faith always starts with him, not you. Be great if it was us. Actually, it wouldn't because we'd just never get there in the end, would we? We'd never get there if it was down to us. But God, God, he will get your attention. It always starts with him. He will speak to you. He will show you what it is he wants you to do. And then he'll probably show you that it's impossible what he's asking you to do as well, just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Because if it was dead easy, then it wouldn't really be faith, would it? If it was like, hey, I want you to go and sit on the seat next to you. Anyone do that? Could anyone actually do that this morning? Like instead of the one you're on, move it along to the next one. Could someone do that? Someone move to the next seat. There you go, Jeff. That, was that impossible? Did that take great faith to do that? <laughs> now Jeff get down and do a hundred press ups for me <laughs> you hear him you hear him and then you step out and you move seats like the pastor said don't move back no you can stay, stay in that one <laughs> you need to be <laughs> and then watch him move Watch him move. Watch him move. Faith's like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. The more faith you get. You're not getting this concept, are you? Come on. Come on. Anyone else? Has he got your attention yet? Has God got your attention yet this morning? Anyone in the worship, in what I've said yet, in what Vicky said, in what Jeff moving seats? Has he got your attention yet? Has he got your attention? Are you awake? Are you alive? Are you listening? Are you hanging on the edge of your seat for what he's about to say to you? Because I'm telling you this morning, this is an incredible message. This week I was inspired. Me and Anne went over to Bradford to, uh, to, to listen to a Christian guy over there. This guy sold Harrods. Literally, we went to hear a guy who sold Harrods. And while I was there, God got my attention. He literally got my attention. And he got my, uh, my attention in a way that he's never got my attention before. It was a, an innocuous part of the message. Probably didn't stand out so much to many people. People were kind of taking notes all the way through it. The thing that really got my attention was he just literally just touched on the word angels. Just mentioned the word angels. And, and I'm like kind of praying about the church and, and what we're doing here. And, and the reason I'm praying about the church and what we're doing here is because, right, 
what we are doing here, and, and he touched on this in some other areas, but this has been spoken to us so many times. So many of you have said this to us, and, and we're very aware of this, and it's just sometimes trying to put it into words, and how do you explain it, how do you get it about, but actually God really got my attention and went, this dead, dead easy. What we're trying to do here in this church is impossible. Let me just build your faith. All right, what we're attempting to do here in this little building, in this little town, is impossible. It's impossible. Let me tell you how impossible it is. Let me try and raise your faith level even higher. So a couple of years ago, a guy, a, a, a good friend from, came over from America. Many of you remember Hannah, uh, who came over as an intern for, to work with us for a year. And his mom, her mum and dad came over for a year, Chris, Chris Bauer. He came over and he stopped with us for a couple of weeks and got on like a house on fire. Lovely guy, pastor from over in America. And about halfway through, he said, Barry, he said, I've got a word for the church. And he said, oh, you know, for the kind of, for, you know, for you, for the church, for you two, for the church. And so I said, okay. He said, I've been praying about it and, and God has given me a word. And, but I was wondering, is it right to share with you? And kind of halfway through the, his stay, he felt it was right and shared it with us. And the word was very simple. It was this, that the church, this church would be 1% of the population of Warrington. That was the message he gave us. We, we shared it with a couple of people at the time and never really took it much further than that, mainly because we just felt to sit on it and just kind of wait and see what happened with it. And not much happened with it, to be quite honest with you. We, we kind of sat on it for a year or so and, and really not much happened. And then last April, God got my attention again. I was at the top of Pex Hill, which is not far from where I live. And it's a little hill. It's not even, it's more like, it's like a foothill. It's like a little bump in the ground, really. It's not much, to be quite frank. But it's a bit of a hill and I like hills and stuff like that. And I'm, so it's no mountains near me. So I thought I'll go there. And I'm at the top of Pex Hill and I'm just praying and I'm seeking God. And he said, hey, Barry, do you remember that message that Chris gave you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, that was from me. I'm like, oh, okay, got you. That was from you, right? That was what I needed to know. So at that, that point, we, I, we wrote it down and, and put it into words and, and then we shared it with the leadership team. They'll, they'll remember that. And we prayed about it and we, we set it out to the trustees and everything and we put it out there and we shared it. We didn't really make a big deal of it in the church because sometimes it's just about timing, isn't it? And if it sounds arrogant or it sounds like we're trying to be big, 1%, I look at it this way, right? 1%, if, we're gonna, if our church is going to be 1% of the population, that's not really selfish because we're leaving 99% for all the other churches. So, you know what I mean? It's, I'm not even asking for 2%, just, just 1. 1% will do, you know what I mean? Now, 1% might not sound like much, but when you consider the size of the town, it's a couple of hundred thousand people. That is a massive vision. And at that point, the church was, was probably half the size that it is now. And we shared this with the leadership team. And so we stepped out. God spoke. He got my attention. We stepped out. We spoke to the leadership team. We shared it with them, shared it with the trustees and everything. And then a few weeks later, guess maybe a month or two later, God went, hey, guess what? I've got a building for you. We've been searching for years. Literally, we've been around so many different buildings and, and we couldn't find one. In fact, at one point, we were even looking at Mr. Smith's. 
We went round twice, me and Vicky, twice. We went round Mr. Smith looking at that building thing and that because we always kind of had faith for a big vision. But we went round Mr. Smith's and, and then one night, Vicky's, this is no word of a lie. Some of you, some of you know this, can, can testify that this is true. The one night Vicky went to bed and she says to me, Barry, we, we need to know because we've been round it twice with torches because all the electricity was off and everything and it was a den of a place absolute den of a place there was empty bottles half half empty bottles of champagne lying around full bottles of champagne lying around not a light on in the building and there was just a, a horrible oppression over the building and everything you could feel it it was a hideous hideous place and anyway Vicky just said God you just got to show us is this give us a sign Lord show us is this the no word of a lie the next morning we woke up to the news the building had burnt down <laughs> okay that's not for us. We got it, God. Yeah, you, you didn't have to be as big as that. You, you know, you could have done it more subtle, but all right, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, so true that. <laughs> so we've got this vision that is impossible. Let me tell you why it's impossible. Because there's so, there's a, there's, right, if you believe, anyone believe in God in here? Yes. All right, that's not bad. That's the best response I've had yet. That's brilliant. Should try that one again. Start with that next week. It's impossible, right? What we're trying to do here is impossible because there is, if you believe in God, right, then you believe that there's a devil as well, that there's an enemy who's out to disrupt the plans of God, to stop us, to hinder us, to hold us back. And he doesn't do it through like weird voodoo curses and stuff like that. He uses people. <laughs> That's the worst bit about it. He gets people and he gets them to attack you on his behalf. How horrible is that? So that's why it's impossible. And here's the thing, right? That you, you would think, wouldn't you, that if, you know, if the enemy's going to attack the church, right, the people he's going to use would be the people out of the church, the ones out there who kind of hate the church. Well, listen, he does. He does do that, right? But generally, the response we get from people who aren't Christians and come to this church is they generally love it. Certainly the ones that don't, don't tell us. So that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm all right with that one. We have enough people who tell us the negative stuff. But generally, we get a lot of positive reports, reports from people. But there are those out there who hate the church. They're like people on planning committees who want to stop us. They're neighbours who just don't want a church near them. They're businesses who think, hey, this might be bad for my business because I'm running some kind of corrupt business or I'm running some business that does stuff that they wouldn't like or they're all these kinds of people or literally people who are just living in sin they're just living in sin what the bible calls sin they're living in a way that god would say no that's not right that i didn't create you to live that way so because of that they hate the church it's not so much that they hate God, it's the fact that they're living in sin. I get it, I understand it, I don't really have an issue with it. I used to do drugs, I used to take drugs. So the idea of someone telling me I couldn't do that at one point in my life, that would have gone against me and I'd have put two fingers up to them and said, don't you tell me what I can and can't do. Why are you to tell me I can't do that? So I get it, I'm not kind of having a go at them, funnily enough, I'm not saying they're terrible people because of that. It's just statements of fact. People who are living in sin or the, the God, what God says about life and how he created it and what it is, when that goes against them, they're gonna oppose the church or they're going to get to such a point in their life when they're going to come on the knees, crying out, begging for help because they're in such a mess. 
So they're the first type of people and they can be a big, big problem. We've had issues with them over the years in different guises and different situations. The other problem, there's a parable in the Bible. So no, this isn't just our church. This is every church in the world. And I speak to a lot of other pastors and they have these issues as well. Parable in the, in the Bible about a guy who goes and he sows all this wheat in his field. And then the next morning, someone else come, he come, his, his workers go out and they say, boss, boss, we've got a problem. We've gone and looked and someone's come and they've sown a load of weeds in the field. So all the wheat now is choked up by weeds. And they're saying, should we rip it out? Should we pull it out? And the master says, whoa, don't pull it out. Because if you pull it out, you'll pull the good out as well. So you've you got to leave it, let it grow together. And, and, and at the end, I'll sort it out be a frightening proposition when you think about it he says at the end and anyone who knows that parable go away and read I'm going to tell you what he says it's pretty harsh it's pretty harsh you don't want to be that person you don't want to be that person that person that gets in and tries to disrupt from within and that every church deals with that as well and it can be incredibly difficult it can be incredibly problematic. Let me encourage the congregation. If you know the Bible, if you're a Christian in this place, you'll know that the Apostle Paul did this on many occasions. He spoke to his churches. He had numerous churches. He had a load of them to deal with. Fortunately, we've only got one, haven't we? But anyway, he had all these churches to deal with and he would write to them and he would speak to them and he would say to them about how to deal with these issues. And the Bible's full of advice good sound advice of how you live your life in the church what you listen to what you don't listen to don't listen to accusations it says don't even receive them it says don't even hear them when someone comes and here's what they generally do they'll come and they'll start trying to whisper in your ear and they'll tell you a load of stuff without evidence with nothing to back it up they'll just tell you a load of stuff and you'll listen to all that stuff and it will corrupt you that's the problem. It will corrupt you. It doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be accurate. None of it has to make sense even. You just have to listen to it. Listen to it. The Bible says don't even listen to accusations unless they're corroborated by two or three witnesses. That is the biblical way. That's what God says. That's the advice that he gives us. He says, don't, unless it can be corroborated. And he gives lots and lots of other advice as well about not people who cause disruption have nothing to do with them. The Bible says, sounds like a harsh verse, verse doesn't it? But it's in there. God, anyone see it? It says, have nothing to do, anyone heard of this verse? With people who cause division. Have anyone read that? So back me up. Have nothing to do with people who cause division have nothing to do with them. Think about it. Vicky shared something with me the, uh, last week that I thought was incredible. Another pastor had said this. He said, could you imagine a bride, a bridegroom on his wedding day, right? Imagine stood there next to him slating his bride. She's about to walk up the aisle. Maybe she's just walked up the aisle. In fact, they've just got married and you're stood there Saying, well, she's a one, isn't she? What were you doing marrying her? She's terrible. Lying about her, saying different things about her. How's that guy going to receive that? 
Is that going to go down well? Is he going to be in any way pleased with that? You talking about his bride or maybe talking to someone else about his bride behind his back and saying stuff behind his back about his bride. How's he going to receive that? I can't imagine that would go well in any way, shape or form. So listen, what we're trying to do here is impossible. It's impossible. It's not impossible because we haven't got the ability. We've got the ability. We've got everything we need. But the Bible says, right, God has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Everything we need, we've already got. Did, any, did anyone know that already? Everything you need, you've already got. Anyone spending the time praying for stuff, asking God to give you stuff? Stop. Try stopping. If you're praying over and over for something that you think you need, stop. You've already got what you need. Maybe ask God to show you where it is already. You've already got it. Our prayers generally are spent too much asking for stuff instead of asking for wisdom. Wisdom. Proverbs. Anyone read Proverbs 1, Proverbs 2, what it says about wisdom? It's more valuable than gold. It's the most valuable thing you could possibly get in your life. Wisdom. It will transform your life. So what we are trying to do here is impossible. It's impossible. We can't do it without support. The only way we can achieve what God has called us to do and to do the things that he wants us to do is with support. With all of us getting to... Uh, do you know what I, I, I said to you a, 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 half, a few minutes ago that God had got my attention midweek and when we went there, I mean, we went, we went to Bradford and I came back and, and this about angels, I was just praying. And, and here's the thing, it's like, everything's going well with the church. You know, we're growing massively. We're having to do two meetings to fit everyone in and stuff like that. But there's still challenges. So, so many challenges. Trying to juggle so many different things. And I'm praying and saying, God, it, it's impossible. And he's going, yeah, I know. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. All right, I need, I can't, I need some help, Lord. And, and it, it just, it, what, what spoke to me actually, it was on the night when he talked about angels and I was just praying, God, I don't really, that's, that's not really a prayer, I've prayed much. God, send some angels to help us. And you know, the next morning, I, I, literally, I've, I've never had this experience before, an angel spoke to me. And, and a lot of what he said was, was the gist of what I'm trying to share with you now. That God will get your attention. Has he got anyone's attention in here this morning? Yeah, that's the first thing. He'll get your attention. The next thing is he will want you to do something. He wants you to step out, step out, step out. That's your bit to step out. Yes, it seems impossible. Yes, it seems like it just cannot be done. It might be frightening and scary, but you've got two options, faith or fear. And I'm yet to find a situation. If anyone can tell me a situation where fear has helped them, no, I haven't yet to find one yet in my life where fear has ever helped me. Fear grips. Fear causes you to run for your life. Now, all right, you could argue if there's a lion heading towards you. Mm, yeah, maybe, but I'm, I, I'm apart from Matt last week, I've never been in that situation, so I'm yet to find that situation. But fear grips you. 
Fear causes you to do things that you shouldn't do, like fight and attack. But that's not the biblical way. That's not God's way. Our weapons are different. Our weapons aren't with, with harsh words or slander or, or nastiness. Our words are words of faith. Our words uplift people. Our words don't just build us up. They build those around us up. That's the true test. Are the words that you're putting out, are they uplifting you and are they uplifting those around you? Or are they dragging them down and dragging you down as well? Our words should be strong. Our words should be powerful. Our words should build up. Okay. So, yeah, I wasn't quite expecting to get up yet, but that's all right. We'll, uh, okay. But yeah, when, right. when Barry talked about what we're building, and, you know, for us, it has come at a great cost, what God's called us to. And it's taken so many leaps of faith, so many leaps of faith in. And when we were away on holiday, and, and this isn't, I've not even prepared this. When we were away on holiday, and um, I've been given a book, a conference I was at, and it said on the front of it, poetry on fire. Now, I'm, I'm not really into poetry, right? So I was like, well, that's very nice. And I just put it on a shelf, you know, and, and just before I went on holiday, I saw this book, and I thought, I'll have a little look at that. And basically, it was the Psalms, but it was the Passion Translation, they were written in the Passion Translation. And as I, I thought, I'll take it away. And I was reading it and I was journaling and writing stuff out. And, and I knew God was drawing me in real tight, real close. And I knew God was getting me ready for something. And I remember saying to Barry, Barry, God's getting, getting me ready for something. Something's about to happen. And I shared some stuff with him. And I knew, because I want to say this to you, is that whatever is going to come your way and whatever you are, as God is asking you to step into, he will have you prepared and ready. Uh, it's not that he won't have you prepared and ready. It's that we need to be tuned in with him and listening to him. And so that when we came back from holiday and something hit, I was totally in peace and I was totally strong because God had already prepared me and told me what he was going to do with the situation. Right. So I already knew. Now that has come through years and years and years of us having to step out and stand in things. But you know, all along the way, people have stood shoulder to shoulder with us. Right. We have had incredibly loyal yeah. people. And God is building this church with more people who are coming and saying, we want yeah. to build with you and we want to stand with you. You see this vision of 1%, I mean, like that's big. The morning we were prayed in as the lead pastors of the church, I remember just having a moment with God on my own in the bathroom because no one can get to me there. It's the only place no one can get to me when you're a mum of five children <laughs> and you've got and you're married to Barry. And, and I'm like, Lord... I'm sorry. I was in the shower and I'm like, Lord, whatever you're asking of us, we're all in. Yeah. We're all in. But I'm just checking that you realize how big this is. Back then, we didn't even know about the 1% on the size that was going to be. And I just talked to him like I talked to my father. I'm just checking, you know. And God said this to me, he said, Vicky, I am bringing people on this journey with you too who are going to build. And they are going to build and they're going to remain with you and they're going to have giftings and they're going to have other things that they're going to build to bring, bring to build this house into the glory that I have called it to be. 
So we've got people who've walked with us for 30 years, while well, me, because Barry hasn't been here for 30 years. We've had people who've joined us in the last 10. We've had people who've joined us in the last year. But God is building this place. But I remember we were building a conservatory on the back of a house that we had. Well, he was, I wasn't. And, and we had no money and we couldn't afford to do it. So we bought a conservatory off eBay that was still attached to someone's house. And he had to go and take it down. I didn't. I had all the children at home. It was and massive, the, this thing. Five metres, some of you have seen it, five metres by four metres. Went and, and took it, dismantled it, took it apart, brought it back. It took two years to build it back up. The house all the was, walls and everything. The house was so tiny for us, we needed more room we were trying to entertain church in there as well we were running the youth work and the kids work and the YA and we were leading praise and worship and we just committed to the Lord not for a position not for a title just to build his house right and so we, we, we just, we didn't have any money. And I was like, I was on eBay and I was like, I found the conservatory, Barry. He was like, oh, right. I was like, you're going to have to go and take it down, love. It's attached to somebody else's house. But we got this conservatory for like next to nothing. And Barry is an Not intelligent. That's well, buy all the bricks. Yeah, buy the bricks, didn't we? And things like that. Barry's an intelligent man. He's incredibly intelligent, but he's never built anything practically. So we didn't have any money to pay anybody to help us lay the foundations. So Barry literally built the foundations he dug down he was digging down with a couldn't spade. even afford a digger to dig the foundation or to get we couldn't afford mixed concrete normally you get mixed concrete delivered to put in the foundations i got a second hand cement mixer off ebay off ebay and mixed it by hand the foundations and poured yeah. it in by hand that was the only way we could yeah. afford to do it wasn't it, it was and he, he was a teacher so he spent the six weeks of the summer holidays doing that he got the foundation laid and we didn't um, start to build the wall because there was a, a wall, proper wall that needed to go in for this conservatory or build the conservatory till the year right, this was like hard graft but in it all we built his house yeah. and that was where our passion was and we wanted this extra room to be able to have people round more and love on people and the second year of building the, the conservatory was laying the brickwork and you have like the, the little bits, don't you? And you put the big windows on it. But this conservatory had a full brick wall with just little windows at the top. And it was taking him ages laying the bricks. And then a friend of ours popped around who's a brickie. And he built this big wall in about two hours. And this little tiny bit had taken Barry weeks to do. But here's the thing. Two are better than one. That's right. Well said. Two are better well than one. Said, Vicky. Because it needed Barry and it needed Paul. Some of you will know him, Paul Goodchip. It needed the pair of them. It didn't just need Paul. It actually needed the two of them because two are better than one. And there is a power in partnering. You know, all through the New Testament, people unite together around the mission. They unite together. You know, Paul, great Paul in the New Testament. Everybody talks about Paul. He never once said he did it alone. That's right. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23, if anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner. Because Paul wasn't in it for his own fame and his own glory and to look really good. He says, right. no, tell him he's my partner who works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches and they bring honour to Christ. Because when there is unity and when people unite around the mission and people partner together, it brings honour to Christ. 
It says in Philippians 1.5, For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. This church is blessed by so many people yeah. who build. Absolutely. So many people who build. We are stood on the shoulders of giants that have gone before. Yeah. People who laid down their lives so that today we would be sat in yeah. this place. That's right. Both people in this church, I think about the, the church that have given us this building and the, the other building in the land. They are giants in the faith who laid down their lives to build the kingdom, to bring honor and glory to Jesus. Those with longevity. Those that have, have, have begun to build and not looked back. Those that have begun to build and not become distracted by their own agendas, by their own desires, by their own flesh. Those that have, have decided to build and gone, we are in this for the long haul. Right. We are in this together. And we're not in it, Barry and Vicky, to build your vision. We're in it together collectively to spread the good news of Jesus Christ yes. and to build the kingdom of God. And I think the question today is, who will build the house with us? Yeah. Who will build it with us? Because you know what? We haven't got it to do this alone. We never have had it to do it alone. God gave us a promise that he was bringing people along and he's been faithful to that. And who will look beyond your own personal circumstances? Who will look beyond your own life? And who will begin to look beyond into something far greater? Mm -hmm. Who will be the ones that when you walk through the gates of heaven, you, you, you see the people's lives who have been touched because collectively we've built. You know, it, it's time, I believe, to put a name to it. Because there are people here who are already building. You're already building with us. Some are building with time. Some are building with specific giftings. Some are building financially. Because you know something? We need it all. We need it all to make Jesus famous more than he's ever been before, that his name would be on the lips of this town more than ever before. And what is a name to it? It's partnership. That's right. Paul didn't do it all alone. It was partnership. He talks about people who partnered with him. Partnership is an arrangement where people agree to cooperate to advance a common interest. For us, it's an arrangement where people agree to cooperate to advance the kingdom of God and to build the church. Yeah. I would say today, who will build the house of the Lord with us? Yeah, we're the pastors of the church. And we're called to oversee. Paul was called to specific things, but Paul named the partners that partnered with him. Do you want to say anything before I carry on? You, the only other thing I would add to this is, or, or just kind of tie in with that, is that, you know, there is something special happening in this place. Mm. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's all of us. There's something incredible. The, the worship team, we don't really have that much involvement in the worship team. We certainly don't get up and sing or play an instrument. But you can see with the worship team what's going on and what they're doing. You can see it around the building and, and, and how we're, we're taking hold of this building and transforming it and changing it. You can see it with the kids' work who are in a building next door where people are going in there and helping to decorate it and make it look nice for our children. You know, you can see it in the cafe where people, you, you, Jess and other people who are going in there and Phil and, and, and taking ownership of it and, and, and wanting to make it look good and to work well. We've got something special in this place. There's a, there's a love, there's a friendship that when an Anne-Marie comes in, if she finds nothing else, she'll find love. 
She'll find people who will accept her and who will love her and who will give her time and, and support her as much as we can and hopefully build her up. Build her up that her faith becomes strong, that, that we're all strong. Because you know what? When we've all got that heart and that attitude to build others up, you know, an insecure person doesn't build others up. Yeah. When they get built up themselves, they keep it to themselves because they're scared of giving it away. Because number one, they think they might lose it. And number two, they think if I build everyone else up, then I'll be, I'll be no more special than them. Mm-hmm. And so they never succeed because no one gathers around them because they're stingy. And their world gets smaller and smaller and smaller, just as it says in the Bible. Yeah. Whereas a generous man, a man of faith who's secure in God, who knows his place, gives everything he can to build others up. Because like when the tide comes in, all the boats rise and everyone rises up. And that's what we've got. We're on the, the I mean, it's already happening, isn't it? You can just see what's going on and what's happening here. And, and essentially the heart of the message is this. It's impossible though. It's impossible. What we're trying to do, know this. If you're going to get involved in it, if you're going to stay and you're going to build with us and you're going to be a part of this, where we're going, what we're trying to do is impossible. Possible would be stay here and just carry on doing what we're doing and you know what I mean? And that would be fairly you know, doable, wouldn't it? But we've got greater plans than that. We've got a vision that's been given by God. And, and you know when we had that a year ago? Some of you weren't here and you're here now and enjoying the fact that you're a part of it because we had that faith then that others would come in. So don't be stingy. Don't think, oh, well, I like it as it is. I don't really want it to get any bigger. I don't want it to change. Can't it just stay as it is? It's just nice as it is. But look around you. If we'd have had that attitude a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, most of you, most of you wouldn't be here now. It would have just been those that were there then enjoying themselves and having a good jolly. It takes great faith to grow and to build. Um, I was just, uh, when Barry was just talking then, when we were down at a conference um, in August, um, at the beginning of August, God spoke uh, to me and it was uh, the verse, I will build my church and this hell will not prevail against it. And, And this is what God spoke to me. He said, you see, when people's own desires and own flesh and own agendas come in, that right, tries to rival yeah. what I am building with my church. Yeah. And those people, I will move out because I am building this church and I'm not going to let anything rival it. And I'm not going to let anything take it down. And those that are going to try and do that, I'm going to move them out, Vicky, because I'm building my church. And nothing's going to be able to stand in its way. And we're here today because God is building his church. But it's about a partnership. And something that we are going to launch in the church today is partnership. Um, It's something that for a good few years it's been talked about. I know when uh, Pastor Tina was doing it, it was something she felt in the spirit. We've just not felt the right time. But we know now that in this next phase of what the church is going into, but you see it's already happening. It's already happening. There's people already partnering with us. There's just no name for it. <laughs> and, um, and now it's about to put words to actually what's happening. And it's not that something new is about to begin. It's already begun. It's already begun. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 to 9, um, it's not important 
who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes a seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. Amen. That's partnership. 